the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And, you know, have you ever said that this in your life, that I wish I knew what God was doing before he did it? In other words, you wish you had to, like, the, the pick the, the blueprint or the, you know, the, the plan that God has for your life. You wish that he would give it to you before it actually unfolds or before it actually happens. I think all of us have probably thought that in, in, times, in, in times in our life. And, um, but really, if you think about it, if that was the case, then where would there be a need for us to exercise faith? There'd be no faith. If God told you everything that was going to happen before it happened, I already know what's going to happen. I don't need to trust him. I don't need to place my confidence in my faith and, and my faith in him. So we know that faith, um, you know, faith is required. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, that's, that's, that's a pretty strong verse in the Bible. You know, when you think about it, without faith, we cannot please God. You know, we, we, we cannot be pleasers to God. So, but the Bible says in Hebrews 11, those first two verses, and we know Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the faith chapter. And, um, but, it, but it says this is what the ancients were commended for. And it's, it goes back into the Old Testament, and it, and it commends all the, the, those who, who, who were in the Old Testament that placed their hope and their faith and their trust in God. And there's several of them that I mentioned. I'm just going to mention two here real quick. Um, in Hebrews 11, 7, it talks about Noah. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. Now, it says, when warned about things yet not seen. And some people, and I was kind of doing a little study on this real quick. Some people believe when it says things not seen, they believe that the, rain, that the earth had never received any rain at that point. But if you study the scriptures, that's probably not accurate. But when it's saying about things yet not seen, the earth had never been destroyed by water. The flood, the, the, the waters had never gotten to a height or a level where it covered the whole earth. Yet God told Noah, I'm going to destroy the whole earth with a flood. Now go build an ark. Go build this boat. And, and that obviously took faith because th that had never, the, the world had never witnessed anything like that before. Yet the Bible says, um, uh, when he was warned about things yet not seen, he was he, 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 he obeyed God, and the Bible says he built, he, he built an ark. And, um, and then Abraham, this was one of my favorite past stories in the Bible, in, um, in Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And that, that is so powerful. If you know the story of Abraham, you know God had promised him that he would be the father of many nations, never had any children. His wife Sarah was barren. They never had any children. Isaac was born to them at their old age. Here God had fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Here's Isaac on the scene. Now what does God ask Abraham to do? To go sacrifice. To go sacrifice. And he was, he was, he, he was willing to do it. Abraham, he, he, he was obedient up until the point the Bible says where the knife 
was literally raised. And if you read this account in Hebrews, and I, and I believe this is, this is, is, is true, that Abraham was going to do it. There, there was no indication whatsoever in the story, if you read the story in the Old Testament or this passage here in Hebrews, that there was no indication whatsoever that Abraham was not going to follow through with the sacrifice. He was going to, the knife was going to drop, and he had already accepted in his heart that Isaac was going to die. But what did he believe? That God would raise him back from the dead. That's faith. <laughs> How was that going to happen? No idea. But that's, that, that, that's the faith that he was willing to, dem to, to demonstrate. So, so what did their actions teach us about faith? Well, they trusted God even when they couldn't see how or what he was going to do. In other words, they, they had a trust in God, and that's the title of my message today is Trusting When I Cannot See, Trusting When I Cannot See. And if you think about it, that's really the essence of faith, is that I'm trusting God in things I cannot yet see, things I have not yet received, things that have not yet happened, yet by faith I'm still trusting in God. Eternal life. I, I believe that I have eternal life. I have not really received eternal life yet. I, I, I've been born again by the Spirit of God. The Bible says that this, this body, this flesh will decay, this flesh will die. The, the, the soul and the spirit man inside of me will go on to live forever. And a time's going to come where, where, I'm gonna be, where my body's going to be resurrected, a, a new body will be resurrected into eternal life. Those things have not yet been received yet, but by faith, we trust and we believe that, the, that these things are, are going to happen. So our trust is not in man, it's in God. That, that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves, I believe, as Christians, is that I'm not trusting in men. I'm trusting in God, and, and he is the God of the impossible. God is the God of miracles. And, and I still believe that God is doing the impossible today. I believe that. And we, we are, you may not realize it, but we're witnessing God's moving in his church and in, in his people in miraculous ways that I don't think many of us really even recognize or comprehend or understand. God is still doing miracles today. He still wants to do the impossible in our lives. The definition of a miracle is an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. So really when you look at this definition of a miracle, I think it can only be given to God. Only God can affect things that can change in a supernatural way in our lives. So, so I believe there's somebody in this room today, you need a miracle. This guy, I know there's at least one person in this room, you need a miracle in your life. You need God to intervene and do something supernatural in your situation. Maybe it's uh, an, an extension of your family or someone in your family. Uh, that, that there's a need. Maybe a, a financial situation. Uh, maybe uh, something in your family. Uh, a, a situation with a son or a daughter. A prodigal son or a prodigal uh, daughter. Maybe it's a situation in marriage could be a stronghold in your life. Or maybe it's a miracle of healing. There could be a miracle of healing. I have good news for you. God is still in the business of doing miracles in your life. God is still doing that today. And God still wants to do that. We have to trust what we cannot see. <laughs> that, that's what God is asking, 
asking us to do. So are you trusting what you can do to help your need, or are you trusting what God can do? You know, a lot of times we look at our situations and we say, well, here's how I can fix it. But we forget, well, what about God? God he, 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 we trust in God what God can do. So I want to look in the New Testament, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the conversion of, of the Apostle Paul or Saul in, in, in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And I believe the conversion of Saul gives us hope that God has the power to affect the extraordinary and impossible situations. And um, this powerful story, I believe, gives us hope that God will do the extraordinary for us. So we're going to look at this passage here in um, Acts chapter 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, that was people who followed the way of Christ, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see, it. He could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What, a, what an amazing story. And, you know, we read that, and if you don't really know that, you can't really appreciate the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. Right. You, you know, you, you don't really have a complete understanding of what the whole complete picture was of this. But this, this was a miracle of the gospel and the power that it has to transform a situation and a life. And it, it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real life power. It's not just some fake thing that we talk about. It's real. It's, it's, got, it's got evidence of what, of what it can do. So 
Let's look at this and just kind of break this down. I'm going to, um, this is going to be part one of this message, and I'm going to continue this passage and, um, next, in next week's message and, and part two. So we're just going to cover about half of what I just read here um, this morning. But the first thing we need to look at is your need is never out of God's reach. Your need is never out of God's reach. See, what, what makes Saul's story so fascinating is not only his salvation, but the transformation from who he was. He was not just a sinner. He purposely and aggressively attacked and persecuted the church, Christians. He was the worst of the worst. He was rebellious, a hater, and a murderer. He was, he was a Jew. He, he, was, he was a Jew. He believed in God, but he denied who Jesus Christ was. And just as the passage said, everyone that followed the way, that followed the way of Christ, that followed the name of Jesus, the Bible says he was out to arrest them, to persecute them, and to, he, he was against them. And you know, really, that's a lot like the world is today. If you say that you believe in God, or you have, a, you have God in your life, for the most part, the world will probably kind of accept that. But if you step out and say, I believe in Jesus, <laughs> I believe in Jesus, now you've, now you've kind of set yourself apart. Now people start to back off and kind of say, oh, that's going a little bit too far for me now. The God thing, yeah, I can accept the God thing, but this Jesus thing, I'm not accepting that. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. We follow the way, the truth, and the life. And, th and that's who he was, but Saul was after us. If, 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 we, if, if he was alive today, he would be looking for a way to come into this room, into this place this morning, and have us arrested because we are worshiping and following the name of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts 8.3. This is what it says. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This, this is what Saul, this is who this Saul was. He was destroying the church. And, you know, we look at our need and we think that our need is too far gone. That, that prodigal maybe in our life or that person that's in our life or that situation is just, it's just too far gone. God, God can't reach that, that need for us. And in some cases, and I've had this happen in my life, your situation, instead of getting better, it's getting worse. Have anybody ever had that happen? In other words, you're praying, you're crying out, you're pressing in to God for something, and, 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 and as you're praying and as you're pressing in, instead of the situation getting better, it's getting, it, it's getting worse. But you know, I believe the darker the need, the greater the grace that God has for that need to change a person. And, and we've witnessed that in our, in our family, and, and, and really the, the, the three examples are in this room this morning, and y'all know the story of my, my son Joshua. I've, I've shared that before. And some people who don't know him, know he's, he, he was in Teen Challenge, um, you know, was, was heavily involved and addicted to, to drugs and all those different things. God, God turned his whole life around. God, God turned his life completely upside down. And my wife and I, you know, we can testify as we were pressing in, praying for him, and, 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 and as we, the situation kept getting worse. But God stepped in. But God, but God came in at the, at the darkest moment. I'm telling you, and he just, God turned that situation around. And then for my, my oldest son, Lee, you know, didn't want God, was rebellious. You know, we just was walking away from God, just, just living his life in, in rebellion. And, and, and God, God touched him in that FEMA trailer after Hurricane Katrina. 
in St. Bernard Parish, and God, God came to him at, at, probably at his darkest time, at his, at his moment where he was like probably furthest away from God, God touched him and God changed him. And then my daughter Hannah, you know, she got baptized last, last year right here in the baptismal tank. You know, thank you, Jesus, that was a, that was a, that was a miracle. So, you know, I'm, you know we're, we're not, Lori and I, we're not anything special, and I don't take credit for any of, any of the things that God has done in my children or in my life or in my family. We just, we just trust in God. I'm just on my knees. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just believing God. But, but see, you can't think that your situation is too far gone or too dark that God can't, can't his arm cannot reach and come and rescue that situation. It, it is never beyond God's arm or, God, or God's reach for God to step in and to change that. God, God can do the impossible for you. See, we cannot lose heart. You know, this could be the moment right before God steps in and we gave up hope because the situation seemed hopeless. God doesn't want you to lose heart. God doesn't want you to give up. You know, what, what did Jesus say about prayer? It's, it's persistence. We keep pressing in. We keep, we keep knocking. We keep seeking. We, we keep asking. God, I don't see anything. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep asking. God, I, the situation, my situation is getting worse. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. See, it, there's, there's something about persistence. There's something about perseverance that gets God's attention. And we just, God, we're standing. We're, we're, standing. we're, not, we're not moved because I know, God, you can do the impossible in my situation. See, no one is too difficult for God to touch. You know, Saul, by all accounts, was what we would consider an impossible case. That would be like, okay, this is impossible. There's no way that God could ever change someone like him. Saul was pursuing God's people to arrest them and place them in prison. The church in Acts was probably praying for his death, not his salvation. I, I got to believe that. I, I really do. I, we, we don't know. The Bible doesn't really give the details. But, but I got to believe if, 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 if they knew that this man was coming to arrest them and to put them in prison and he was against them, I would ask God, can you eliminate that person? But what did God do? God saved him. <laughs> they were, uh, they, maybe they prayed that. I don't think they expected that. That's not, that's not, that's not what they were expecting. See, um, Saul was not in a position to find God. Think about this. He was on the road to Damascus. And what was he doing? He had letters of authority, letters of approval to do what? To take the, to take the Christians that were in Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem. So Paul, Saul was not heading toward God. He was walking away from God. But little did he know as he was walking away from God, he was walking right into God's will and to God's plan. So your situation might be like, well, you know what? It's heading in the wrong direction. That son, that daughter, they don't want God. They're going in the wrong direction. You, they might be walking right to God. That's why you have to see that. See, we have to remember what you and I see is not what God sees. We, we, see, the, we see in the natural. We, we see the natural things. I, in the natural, I could never see Joshua or Lee or Hannah in the natural really coming to God, like, like just like turned around. Like, like in the natural, it was like, it, it, was, it was impossible. I, I, God, I don't, I don't see that. But that's not what God sees. And see, we are limited by the way we would do something. But God, see, that's why our faith is in God, because God has no boundaries. 
There's no limits. He, he, he has no limitations. None. He can do anything. And that, that's, what God, that's what God will do. So we have to quit looking only at, at our Saul situation and exercise faith to see what God sees, to see that God sees that situation changed and turned around for his glory in Jesus' name. And the look at verses 3 and 4 in Acts chapter 9. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The next thing we see in this passage is God can change your situation suddenly. I, I love that. That's one of, that's one of my, the favorite things about this passage. In this, in this passage, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, the Bible says, a light from heaven flashed all around him. See, all of us, when faced with difficult situations, even though we are asking God for help, we have already decided how it is he's going to solve it. I've done that. I've prayed to God for situations. Uh, maybe it was situations with jobs or, you know, in, in my life where I needed a job change or I needed God to, to, to move me or do something and in my mind, this is, I was praying for God to do it, but I was basically telling God how he was going to do it. You've ever done that? I think we've all done that. Well, God always answered the prayer, but guess what? He never did it the way I thought he was going to do it. I can almost say in every situation, it wasn't even close. He, he, did, he did what I asked him to do, but not the way I asked him to do it. Why? Because he's God. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts. His ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. God is better. I'd rather God do it than me do it. Because, God, because God's going to do it. God's going to do it better. See, Saul's life was changed in an instant. If you look, if you look at the passage here in, um, in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 to 6, um, there was... There was Saul's life was changed in 33 words. It says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He replied, Now look at this. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. That was it. That, and if the words, that I, I counted the words in those verses that, that, that the Lord spoke is 33 words. I'm telling you, suddenly... Suddenly, his life was changed, and God, God spoke into that man's life, and suddenly his life, he, he was never the same. His life was never the same from that moment on. God came in and changed his situation, the Bible says, suddenly. So we have to remember that God, God may not answer the way we expect him to, but God can come in, and God can change your situation suddenly. See, I feel very certain that the Christians in Damascus who knew Saul was coming, never imagined that God would, would touch him in, uh, in the way that he did, that, that God was going to change this man. He was a destroyer of the church. But the Bible says suddenly. So let, let that word change you this morning. Let that change you, because I believe the devil and even our flesh and our mind, we just think, God, this is never going to happen. This will never change. 
This situation is always going to be the same. They're never going to get healed. They're never going to get saved. My finances are never going to change. My marriage is never going to get better. My children are not. And we're just saying, never, never, never. And God says, guess what? I can do it suddenly. God God can change it. And in every one of those situations with our children, it happened. It was sudden. It it was immediate. I I remember with Lee, when when we had found out we were living in, in Gonzales at the time, and Lee was living at the FEMA trailer at the house that we had, that we had gotten our house gutted in, in St. Bernard because I was, I was going back. I wanted to go back. We got the house gutted, had one of the FEMA trailers placed on the property. And, of course, God had different plans, but Lee was living down there because he was still working in the, in the New Orleans area. And we had, we had heard that Lee had, that Lee had gotten, gotten saved. And I believe that he gotten saved, but I, I remember, I think I told Lori, I said, I, got, I want to see him. I, I got to, you know, I guess I was, you know, kind of like Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas. I got to see the nail scars. I got to see the, 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 the thing in the side. I, I got to see it. And not that I doubted it, it's like, okay, what, what happened here? Was this real? What was, it, was it religious? What, what happened? And I can tell you, when I saw him for the first time, his countenance changed. He was different. And I'm telling you, it was sudden. It was sudden. So quit trying to navigate your life to try to figure out the way you think things are going to happen. God, God is not a man, and God does not act like a man, nor should he. That's not who he is. God is, God is our creator. God is sovereign. God, God is the creator of the universe and all the planets and everything that is seen and everything that is unseen, the Bible says. That God can do anything in your life. Don't limit God by what you think he can do. God can change your situation Suddenly. See, suddenly is an act of God, a miracle, a supernatural event that no one can explain or deny when it occurs. That, that's what a miracle is. Salvation is a miracle. God is still, every time somebody gets saved, that's a miracle. That someone would take their life, they, they would give up this world and give their life to Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. Especially in today's society, today's climate, this anti-Christ environment that we live in, that someone is willing to say, I'll, I'll go against the flow. I'll go against the ways of the world, and I'll go the narrow road, and I'll walk the way of Jesus. That's a miracle. God is still doing miracles today. God wants us to speak that God is still doing miracles, that, that he is still a miracle-working God. Look at Exodus 14. This is um, the story back in the, in the, uh, with the nation of Israel when God had led them out of, out of Egyptian bondage. And remember, um, God had led them to the Red Sea. And then the, the Bible says the Israelites complained to Moses. They said, they, I love this way they said, why did you take us out of Egypt? Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? In other words, what, what they were saying is, instead of dying here by the Red Sea, we'd rather die in Egypt. Well, what's the difference? You're still going to die. But he's told, they said this, it wasn't there enough graves in Egypt that you let it, with. in other words, he said, why did you do this? And look what Moses told them. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Not tomorrow, not next year, not next month, today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. <laughs> now look, Somebody needs to highlight, in the, highlight that scripture verse in your Bible because that applies to the situation that you're facing right now. Right. 
your situation might be the Egyptians that God, that God did. And, and look what God said. But look at this. What Moses said, it happened suddenly. That, that, that was suddenly, the Bible says. And in an instant, the Red Sea covered the Egyptian army. And the Bible says not a single one of them survived. That army that Israel saw, they, they saw them with their physical eyes. They saw the chariots. They saw the warriors. They saw them. And, and what did Moses say? Just, just be calm. In an instant. What does the Bible say? They walked, they walked through on dry ground with the wall of water, the wall of water on both sides. And what did the Egyptians say? We can do the same thing. No, you can't. You ain't God's people. And in an instant, the Bible says, the waters just came back. Imagine what that must have looked like to, to, to the Israelites, just as Moses had declared. That's what God wants to do in your situation. God, God wants to do that, and God can do that suddenly, suddenly in your life. See, see what, is your, what is your need? God, God can change you. He can heal you. God can deliver. God can save. He can do those things suddenly. Just stand still and believe. The word suddenly, um, the definition is a happening or coming, uh, or coming unexpectedly, a changing angle or character all at once. It's an abrupt, unanticipated, unexpected, unforeseen, unlooked for. That's what God does. God does something unexpected, unanticipated, something we ain't looking for. God just shows up and does that. What does God want us to do? Stay calm, stand firm, and trust God. See, that's what God is calling us to do. And God, God can do the rest. See, and then in this passage, we see that what God did for Saul, he will do for you. See, God's not a respecter of persons. You know, we can't just look at the Bible and say, well, this is the New Testament, and then when we get to Revelation, we close the Bible and God's finished. Some people really believe that, like there's things that happened in the New Testament that God's not doing anymore. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see wherever, where, anywhere in the Bible where God says, I'm going to do this now, but after, after you read Revelation or when the New Testament's written, after it's written, I'm going to quit doing those things. But there's some people who really believe that. I don't. I believe God is still doing those things today. He's just looking for people to connect with that believe that he can do those things. So God, God if God changed Saul, he can change your soul. He could change your situation. That, that wayward son, that wayward daughter, that miraculous healing, that, that maybe that marriage that needs a little help, whatever. God, God can get in. God can change that situation. See, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. You, you need to say that. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. In your situation, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. See, the devil doesn't want you saying that. The devil wants you thinking it's, it's too difficult. Nothing is too difficult. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And this is the promise that God had given to Abraham and Sarah for, um, to have a child. And we, we know the story. What did the Bible say? Sarah, was, she was laughing. She laughed at God. God, was, God got the final laugh. <laughs> God had the last laugh in that situation. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too difficult for God? In Luke 18, 27. 
Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I love that. What God can't do, God can do. That, 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 that's awesome. We need to be anxious for nothing. Quit fretting. Quit being anxious. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's faith. Not present your request to man, to your church, to your denomination, to your religion. Present your request to God. Why? Because that's my trust. I'm trusting when I cannot see God. I don't see this. It doesn't make sense. I can't figure it out. But God, I'm trusting you. That's exercise in faith. And then we have to remind ourselves that the battle is not yours. In 2 Chronicles it says, He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I love that. That, that need that you have in your life right now, that situation that you face, that's not your battle. That battle belongs to God. That's God's battle, amen? I believe God is still in the business of doing supernatural things in our midst today. I do that. We, we, we witnessed that. We witnessed that. I know uh, Pastor Denise, your son, Tra Travis, that was, that was a miracle. That was, that, that was a supernatural. We, we could all stand up and, and give a testimony and look back and say, that was a miracle that God did that. Well, guess what? God still wants to do those things now. God's still doing those things today. Amen?